0: These objects that surround us every day, they're like orphans. They're out in the world, they're lost, they have had a life, and that life brings a kind of beauty to them. And for me, I tend to connect to objects very much. I'm not a hoarder or anything, but there are objects that I kind of obsess over, I fetishize. You know, there's objects that uh, I keep close to me in my life, so it made perfect sense in the studio to make that move and then to try to make these objects as we discussed before give them lift to give them some kind of life beyond their intended meanings and when it works it's quite beautiful for me it's nothing like it and there's nothing in painting that i've ever done that got me close to that spot before so That's kind of what I'm talking about when I talk about the process or the language. It really was process of elimination. I had to get rid of ways of working that were presenting other issues that I was obsessing over while ignoring the main one.
1: Welcome to the Studer Break podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's 282nd episode, I'm excited to be joined once again by Bill Conger, who spoke with me from Peoria, Illinois, where he currently lives and makes artwork. He's also the curator of collections and exhibitions at the Peoria Riverfront Museum, so very excited to have him back on to talk all about his studio practice, as well as his solo exhibition, Gold, which opens Saturday, October 15th, and runs 5 to 8 p.m., and that's going to be at the Studio Break Gallery in West Chicago. So if you want to come on out and see the show, say hello to Bill, have some great conversations, Go to studiobreak.com, look under the gallery tab, and you will find a map so that you can get here. So once again, studiobreak.com has all that info under the gallery tab, so check it out. You can also find our post there with this interview, which is going to have a link to Bill's website, billconger.com, and of course, a link to his Instagram account, so be sure to follow him there, at Bill Conger. You can see there's also going to be some archived conversations that we have available, and that's much like everything else on the site. We've got a big archive of different artists they come on they talk all about their work and we share images of their work as well as links to their websites and of course you can listen right there on studiobreak.com or just click those hyperlinks to follow and subscribe on spotify or apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts a great way to stay up to date is to follow us in social media so be sure to like our facebook page you can find us on twitter at studiobreak And last but not least, we're also on Instagram, so be sure to follow us there. Say hello at studio underscore break. And with those announcements out of the way, let's dive right into this discussion with Bill Conger. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Studio Break. Bill Conger, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing great, Dave. Great to see you.
1: Yeah, I'm obviously super excited to talk to you a little bit about this uh, exhibition that's coming up next weekend, Gold, again at Studio Break Gallery, going to run from five to eight. So, you know, already it's been an interesting process to work with you uh, versus our, you know, first show, which was uh, Mike Willie. you know, totally different approaches. Um, <laughs> you're kind of like a, I don't know, like a explorer of a space, if you will. So it's been exciting to get you know updates and different ideas of what you're thinking about but um yeah welcome welcome to the podcast
0: thank you Dave and thanks for enduring my um my process which <laughs> i think is worth mentioning that i probably started kind of throwing ideas at you months ago and every time it would shift or take a different form i would keep you in the loop because i i felt good to have you nearby so thank you for enduring the uh, the process of what I go through to, to get a show together.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it's super exciting. You know, I obviously am familiar with people kind of like making site-specific work or kind of really thinking about a space, but to be on this side of it as somebody helping to organize it, you know, it's super, super exciting to see mock-ups and, you know, the way that people kind of process through things. And again, you know, I actually listened to our last interview, which is about four years ago. Hmm. So again, I would encourage people to check that out on the, you know, the updated website because all that stuff will be linked. You can kind of go in and and check out some of our previous discussions, but it's interesting to kind of think about the way that you'll take kind of these ordinary materials and in, in some weird way, almost kind of repurpose them for, I don't know, almost like this alternate dimension that you don't see, you know? So to kind of think about that for this show, was there something in particular that you were, I don't know, kind of inspired by or kind of you know, reacting to, to think about this space? Cause that's, I mean, again, there's so many different objects you could use or.
0: Well, when you work with, with found objects, that is the question, you know, what gives one more power than another. And, and that is a kind of quizzical thought that I give a lot of attention to. And all I can say is, you know, the idea is to give these somewhat meaningless forms lift and to kind of release them from their ordinariness, you know, to kind of give a new meaning to them and uh, have them take flight into dimensions that are more human or more connected to to humans, put it that way. So in this particular case, I was just making work and letting the works come. And as I was examining the works, one thing uh, kept coming up over and over and that was their, their color, which is kind of where this title of the exhibition comes from, gold. That is to say, there's nothing in the show that is actually gold, <laughs> but uh, the gold is a, a type of uh, reasoning with the look of these things. So it's more about a presence or a color instead of uh, material. So that being said, I've never actually worked in that way. It's almost a more painterly way of mm-hmm. ordering an exhibition thinking about color instead of, uh, for me, would typically be um, the nature of the form and or the content that I'm trying to inject into those forms. So this was a very different show for me. And, and uh, so um, we'll see, but, but I'm very excited about
2: it.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, that's something that's interesting that you mentioned in in some of your previous appearances, you know, you were trained as a painter. Obviously you've been working as a curator and, you know, organizer of the arts. So for me, again, it's kind of interesting to think about the way that your, your process might change or kind of shift depending on what it is that you're kind of doing. But especially something that sticks out to me from that last interview, you know, you kind of I don't think are afraid to kind of deal with um, emotions or trying to kind of create a feeling in terms of the work, which I think is really kind of interesting and, and satisfying because, again, we kind of get caught up in these news cycles and, you know, caught up in this every day. So for me, that's one of the things that's always appealing is that I know that I'm going to be surprised. I know that, you know, the the show is likely going to be a little bit challenging and getting me to kind of reframe things mm-hmm. is that something that's always kind of exciting for you as somebody that's gonna you know hopefully be interacting with all these people that you know some of them might have seen your work before and some of them are going to be coming to it totally cold
0: definitely and it it uh i forget often that many people come to my work without a history without kind of a background to, to the, my process and and the language of my work so it must be challenging at times, I suppose. It has now come so natural to me. It's the only way I can think about the creative language. It's the only way I can do it. So when you've kind of been doing this for as long, and I'm kind of an old guy, so <laughs> uh, been doing this long enough, it, it becomes so part of your nature that, you know, it's not that I don't care about the viewer at all. It's not true. Uh, I am excited for the viewer to experience what I'm trying to give them, but uh, certainly the viewing experience is secondary for me. It's really about kind of an unveiling and uncovering something about myself, I think, ultimately. So I, I kind of want to make sure that that I am happy first, and then if I'm happy, my my instinct is to trust that other people will connect as well.
1: Yeah, and you know, to kind of think about this in terms of process, I know last time we talked a little bit about literature and poetry and kind of other influences, and I think hopefully part of my my goal is to ask some more succinct questions and kind of really peel back the layers, but you know, is that something in terms of where you might be reading a series of, of works or... Things like that that kind of put you in a frame of mind because I would imagine that it's not something literally where you're like, oh wow, this is a great line. It makes me visualize something like it's more like a like a feeling that, or like a place that it puts you in.
0: Yeah, I think yes to all of those things. And to be a little more clear from my perspective, I would say that that this idea of discovering passages of literature or voices of uh, great writers, great poets, was probably more impacting maybe 10 years ago for me.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. What seems to have happened is I now uh, obsess over the same writers. So I kind of have my favorites (laughs) and I don't really leave them very far. I'm really so indebted to what they've achieved in terms of literature that I use them as a kind of barometer for my studio process in some way, that there is some kind of connection to the way they move through their work and in and, and a hope that I can somehow attain something like that. And it, it's less, now it is less about kind of repackaging feelings or or emotions that that maybe stir me in reading things it's really not about that anymore i think i'm maybe a little more confident with with my process and and the work and and i would say that the work doesn't come very quickly anymore i'm in the studio six days a week but often that is pushing things around and maneuvering things and hoping for the best and uh it it is not an everyday occurrence that a work emerges for sure. It's kind of a slow process, not unlike writing in a strange Mm -hmm. way.
1: Well, and, and last time you talked a lot about too, just looking, you know, being with the work and and kind of looking, is that something where you might sit with something for a couple of weeks and then just flip the orientation of something, flip the placement of something and then just let it sit and stew for a couple more weeks?
0: If, if it, happens if if the work emerges and gets out there it happens fairly quickly Mm -hmm. so i recognize it pretty quickly if it if it's if it's there i i don't really need to take two weeks to kind of decide whether it's there it really announces itself very quickly but then the the fun part is just being with it so it's like having a new child or something like you kind of want it nearby but To trust that it's going to be okay when you leave, and it's kind of a strange. (laughs) So, so I don't just move along after that piece. So, in a way, you're right. I do kind of live with the work for a while after it after it becomes a work. And this maneuvering that you're mentioning is very real. It's really about kind of uh, an intuition about a, a, a material or a form or an object. There's like something about it that is for lack of a better term, is magical. There's something that's um, there. And then the idea is figuring out what that is and how to maximize that and how to make it become a form that is uh, way beyond what is supposed to be uh, its original stage
1: and and i'm especially interested in thinking about that from like an editing process like i think you mentioned last time you kind of uh you know said you were kind of you could you could write academically essentially but that it's not something that you're necessarily strong at you know but i'm just curious too if i mean like is that something that ever occurs in terms of like writing things down or is that something that kind of happens because i know again you know in the editing process you're you're digitally kind of like throwing things together kind of getting a vision for this. So, I mean, mm-hmm. um, I'm sorry. I'm always curious about that. Cause I feel like, you know, there, certainly if you're a, somebody that works from life or something like that, you're probably in a sketchbook all the time, writing stuff down and drawing, as opposed to like somebody that might be doing something a little bit differently, I guess.
0: It's a great question. I've never been asked that. And what the reality is, I am a, an absolute terrible note taker <laughs> and I do not have patience for writing very much. So there's actually very little in terms of sketch that ever happens. And that's been the case for me pretty much my whole career. I really just have never really, I'm not a journalist. I don't write down thoughts. When I was kind of seriously invested in the literary quality of my titles, I would write those. So uh, I would just literally put them in my notes in my phone. And they would hit me driving or, you know, at the store or at work. So I would have lists and lists and lists of of these potential titles. Most of them were complete garbage, but you have to um, very much like the studio process, you have to (laughs) amass these things in order to get rid of them. And uh, so that still happens Uh, when I'm invested in titles. There's writing involved there, but... It's funny for a frustrated writer, which I call myself—frustrated sculptor, painter, and poet, kind of combined. I do very, very little writing, which is probably why I never became a, a writer.
1: <laughs> it's <laughs> sure, just,
0: it's a love affair I have with the with the art, but um, I just don't do it very well.
1: It strikes me too that we're both stand-up comedy fans, and I think that's almost like an approach that some stand-up comedians might take in terms of just having like bullet points, things that they're kind of talking about, thinking about kind of getting obsessed, kind of, yeah. you know, living in that world and then kind of, you know, making something from that. So oddly enough, I, I think about it almost very similarly, maybe to the way that you might have just an idea or a word. And then it's like go time in the studio to, to work it out and to, to figure it out.
0: Yeah, in a way, uh, I see that connection. There's a performative quality to, I think, all art. I even, I think, painting, drawing. There's certainly a performance involved there. For me, particularly, I think that is a major quality of the way I work: is performative in, in a strange way. This kind of lurking, back and forth, moving, maneuvering. An object looks very different two or three inches higher or lower than. It's that kind of positioning and and targeting that I'm trying to really nail down. So there's a lot of pacing and moving and adjusting. And it's probably quite comical to watch me uh, in my process now (laughs) as I describe it that way.
1: Well, I think it's the weird thing about artists. You know, everybody finds their way. You know, I I say that because, you know, watching Willie hang up like 50 paintings or whatever in like an hour. It would have taken me all day because I'm going to be like, oh, my gosh, like this side's like a quarter of an inch, you know, wrong in this direction or something like that. And to somebody else, it's it's they're kind of looking at it kind of differently. So it's, again, just really interesting to think about all those little decisions that are different for all of us, you know. And I think we talked about this a little bit last time. Sometimes those little decisions, you know, kind of radically shift the way that we're working. And I guess to kind of guide this back towards a question um, what strikes me too is that, you know, in the past couple of years, you know, I've seen stuff in iterations that, you know, I think you kind of move in a direction and then just kind of scrap it. You know, again, I, I remember seeing some larger works on Canvas, for example. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I know that you're able to kind of jump around a little bit, but I would imagine that, you know, relative to that performative side of it, it makes it so that you are really committed to whatever it is that you're choosing. Like I've I've tried that. Like you're not gonna just kind of rest on this idea and then never kind of see it fulfilled. You're going to figure it out, try it out. And if it's not working, move away from it, I guess, and and find something else.
0: That is true. I I think that this kind of circular motion is always revolving around probably the way I truly work. There are pieces that I do when I'm not making work. We'll put it that way. Mm -hmm. Collage uh, works that I did for years that were terribly, Debilitating to my sight, which is why you see me with glasses uh, a lot. And I had to put that away because I, I'm not sure I would be able to function visually. I mean, these things were really terrible for my for my vision.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: However, I love them. Uh, I love making them. They and I used to call them the work that I made when I wasn't making work. Quite frankly, they were um, primarily formal. There was really no Conceptual underpinnings to those at all, and uh, for me, that's just not very fun, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: quite frankly. So, um, and the canvas works that you referred to that was a series that I did for about a year following my heart attack, which was near fatal, and uh, that was two years ago on October 2nd. So, I just celebrated my second birthday, (laughs) my (laughs) second. My second, second birthday, that was cathartic and and uh, essentially a kind of therapy. And I knew that this was a reverberation from a major life event. Mm-hmm. And I'm not afraid to use art that way. That's absolutely right. Um, however, when I'm involved in those types of series, I usually know that it is not the center of what I do.
1: Of course, I wanted to bring that up at some point. Right. Um, you know, as I was kind of sharing with you, uh, whitewater rafting, while uh might seem a little dangerous, um, you know, having a nearly passed away is probably a, a quite different scenario. I would imagine, you know, like relative to that, like it sounds like anyways, it kind of gives you a little bit of like a new eyes, I guess, I don't know, or, or maybe just a new appreciation. How, how has that kind of changed things? Cause I, again, I don't get the impression that you've ever kind of like, I don't know, sat around not wanting to kind of just get after it and make stuff, you know, mm-hmm. but I would imagine there's a new, new lease on life, you know, happy, yeah, second I'll happy second birthday, that. by the way. So <laughs>
0: thank you. Thank you. Um, I will talk about that a little bit. It really was less about like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to, get out there and do it. Because as you say, I think I've always done that.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, I've never lived without making work. So it wasn't really like that. However, this show that I'm doing for you is the first show of a one person show that I've done after this event. So I really think that this exhibition is a reverberation from that from two years ago. And uh, there is something in there it's probably a little close for me to totally unravel now, mm-hmm. but it was more I think it's more about for me coming out of that was about fear. there there's this incredible graciousness that you have for kind of making it and a renewed appreciation for the thing that we take for granted every day waking up. Mm-hmm. And, and having a, a day to yourself whether it's good bad or whatever that is absolutely changed in your eyes i mean there's no way of it's just part of it and so there is this beautiful renewed appreciation for life however there's a terror mm-hmm. <laughs> that sits with you a very long time because uh you're kind of waiting for the next shoe to drop and uh, it takes a long time to work through that it takes a lot of Thank God I had a great therapist, and um, my family was very patient, and thank God I have art because uh, those are the things that uh, got me through. So in a way, gold is a little bit of, a, I guess, a kind of renewal of, of the process for me. It took me about two, a year and a half, maybe a year, to really start working the way that I prefer to work again uh, because of that reaction basically that reverberation
1: well and it strikes me too that you know you don't just live by art you know one of the things that you kind of talked about last time especially with you know your son's kind of moving off into the world Mm -hmm. it's kind of cool to think about also you know all these other aspects of your life that kind of lead to that you know, full, full, I guess, making capacity, I don't, I'm lacking good words for it. But I feel like, again, kind of being in balance with all those things is absolutely important. I would imagine that's also something that's really helped uh, in the past couple of years to see everybody moving on and succeeding. And
0: yeah, yeah. And there, uh, loss is involved in that as well. Um, when your children move out, that is a, that is a loss. It's definitely impacting in that, in that way but it's the best loss that you could ask for. In my case, I have a uh, 25 and a 23 year old, uh, both sons who are, uh, one is a teacher, teaches history pursuing his dream and got hired right out of school. My youngest boy is a DePaul graduate student who also just got hired in his field. And I couldn't be more proud. It's, It's growth at the same time. It's loss and it's this incredible expansion of life as well so it's it's all good but the way I kind of engage with with the process of making art is through emotion you know it's really about accessing very human feelings um, through objects so it's kind of like be careful what you wish for right Um, when you're when you're pursuing and examining sadness to some degree be careful because you'll get it <laughs> you know? so if you're if you're thinking about life hard enough it's there sadness is always kind of there and loss is always there which is uh, strangely enough the way that that i have kind of created the process that i work in is kind of being connected to that very real part of being human
1: well, it's, it's interesting too, because it makes me think about some things that you've talked about, which is, you know, your, your work is not really autobiographical, but I feel like just because of the nature of that, or you can't help but kind of pull from these experiences or mm-hmm. let them kind of change you or shift you.
0: Yeah, I think so. Uh, all of those things are, uh, essentially beautiful things. So they have definitely fueled, um, I've had a lot of changes in a, in a couple we all have, uh, mm-hmm. You know, the shutdown, the pandemic, our worlds have been kind of, uh, it's like the desks have all been cleared, right? Mm -hmm. And there is a a type of starting over that we all uh, are engaged in, I think. And I think for me, that is almost the best kind of scenario for making work because of this uncertainty and the tension and the pressures and the stress all feeds into the process for me. And uh, that is a part of being alive. And that's what I try to kind of tap into to um, create something for, through the work for the viewer.
1: It's it's interesting, you know, especially talking to people about your work and the show coming up to kind of try to encapsulate uh, what to expect, you know, Mm. Um, and I don't I think you'll probably feel uncomfortable with this, but I'm kind of like for lacking a better term. I've been telling people it's like almost like a Kubrick thing or something. Um, Mm. And I just mean in that sense in that it's something that always invites a second look, you know, it always invites recontextualizing things. And as, you know, we've talked and kind of grown closer over the years, you know, we kind of just share images sometimes that are just oddly enough mirrored. Um, But I know that we've also kind of come back to certain conversations or reexamining of things. And I think, again, that's something that I am absolutely looking forward to thinking about relative to the show, you know, because I think there's that initial glance and then you kind of keep coming back because there's this kind of mystery about it or you know some kind of way of looking at it that you kind of imbue in your work that is always really exciting to me so i don't know again i don't know if kubrick is a is a good uh person to think about well relative to that but
0: filmmakers in general i think is that's a wonderful way of thinking about kind of the way i work because in auteurism the idea is that the work is always about the filmmaker. It's always about the director, mm-hmm. always. Uh, so, with Kubrick or something, every film revolves around something that we could discuss. I won't throw anything out there because we might derail our conversation. Mm-hmm. I think that's true with me that uh, all of my shows are about the same thing. I think every <laughs> exhibition I do is about the same thing. It's really a how do i get there you know how does the work try to get there this time and for me that's a, a, I, I couldn't have hoped for more quite frankly as a young artist trying to figure this game out figure out how to make art what what does this mean for a lifetime of making things this is exactly what i always hoped for was to have a kind of connection to a language that that i've shaped over a long period of time that is me and um so it's a privilege to be able to um to work like that and and to produce exhibitions that quite frankly are so self-indulgent <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just, that is uh probably a, a sad thing to say but it's a true thing to say i think there's a connection there for sure with with uh, filmmaking
1: Yeah. Well, again, it just, to me, it's like pulling it from a different dimension or something. I don't know, like, or just kind of crossing over to a different experience. And I say that because like, you know, for somebody like myself that is very much interested in form and formal qualities, you know, I, I stop all the time to kind of take in something like that, you know, and it's, you know, it could be something like, Essentially having just tons and tons of crap weather, you know, like I had experienced recently where it's just raining endlessly while I'm camping in 40 degrees and then it clears up and then there's a rainbow that pops in and you're kind of like, Mm -hmm. huh you know, now granted, maybe that's a little bit literal, you know, as opposed to kind of seeing some, you know, sculptural form or something that becomes sculpture that might've been a radiator or something at some point. But but again, I just like that idea of, you know, creating this new language or this new visual language that you've kind of used that expression quite a bit. So um, it's something that stands out for sure.
0: Again, the word that comes to mind is just a real privilege to be able to access objects in that way. And perhaps for whoever's listening, it might make sense to discuss a little bit about what that work is. I'm sure a lot of people have no idea what I'm talking about when I I mention this language, but as we've talked about in the past, I'm primarily a painter. I was trained as a painter. I love painting and I love painters. I've curated a lot of painting through the years. There's no reason for me to have abandoned painting other than I really felt that I could not contribute to the language of painting in a meaningful way, in the way that I was, I was hoping to do. And uh, so about 15, maybe 20 years, I think it's been about 20 years ago made my last quote unquote series of paintings as, as my kind of primary mode of working and at that point, it seemed very natural to move to the object because the these objects that surround us every day are they're like orphans. They're out in the world. They're lost. They have had a life, and that life brings a kind of beauty to them. And for me, I think I just I tend to connect to objects very much. I'm not a hoarder or anything, but there are objects that I kind of obsess over I fetishize you know there's objects that uh, I keep close to me in my life so it made perfect sense um, in the studio to make that move Mm -hmm. and then to try to make these objects as we discussed before give them lift to give them some kind of life beyond their intended meanings and when it works it's quite beautiful for me it's nothing like it and there's nothing in painting that I've ever done that got me close to that spot before so that's kind of what I'm talking about when I talk about the process or the language it really was process of elimination I had to get get rid of ways of working that were presenting other issues that I was obsessing over while ignoring the main one uh, the great Harold Greger used to uh, used to talk about, he was painting instructor at Illinois State University, where, Dave, you spent a little time yourself, mm-hmm. and uh, he would talk about the pyramid, meaning every artist should have a pyramid that they work within. Essentially, you can only have one thing at the top. You have one number one. You can't have two or three number ones. If you're serving three masters, you're not accomplishing any of the, any of what you're intending. So that always kind of is in the back of my mind. What is that number one? Mm -hmm. What is the number one? And uh, it really helped me through uh, some crucial years in the studio where I was really confusing my, my method.
1: Right on. You know, we've previewed obviously a little bit of this show coming up. You're going to be out uh, glad handing and, absolutely cheerfully talking to everybody yeah it's going to be exciting we picked october of course because like i don't know i feel like that's your month i don't know it's
0: my month (laughs) yeah it's it's a little colder than i recall in my 55 uh, years prior to this month but i'll bring my coat
1: yeah (laughs) i'll be ready well and we'll probably have a fire going so again i I do hope uh, people obviously you know uh, come out i'm excited too because it'll be cold enough that we can have the garage open which I think is kind of integral to the, to the setup. So, you know, I'm excited uh, to have people hopefully come as it's, as it's dark to kind of come on this, uh, this situation and, and dive right in there and mingle. And so, yeah, again, gold opens up this October 15th, runs from five to 8 PM. So we'll be excited to meet people and and check things out. Where can, where can people see some more of your work and follow along uh, social media wise?
0: Oh, Love to have uh, Instagram followers, just Bill Conger. And uh, I I have a website, BillConger.com. Those are the best way. I hope there are some folks out, curious people who love art and love thinking about art. I hope uh, we can meet some, some new folks. And I hope all my old friends come, too.
1: Absolutely. Well, again, really looking forward to it. Yeah, thanks so much for taking the time.
0: Thank you, Dave. Always fun.
1: Thanks once again to Bill. You can find more of his work by following him on Instagram at Bill Conger, and you can also find a link there to his website, BillConger.com. Once again, his solo exhibition at Studio Break Gallery, entitled Gold, opens Saturday, October 15th, running from 5 to 8 p.m. So come on out and see the work, sharing some great conversations. If you want to know how to get here, head on over to StudioBreak.com, look under the gallery tab, and you'll find a map linked there. So super easy to come on out and say hello and share in some great conversations. So hope to see you this Saturday. I would note that in our post, we have a number of Bill's other interviews linked up, so you can check those out. Definitely peruse those. And, of course, if you're new to the podcast, we've got a lot of artists featured on Steady Break. Again, uh, 12 seasons, so you can go back, check out artists that you missed each of those posts. And images of the artist's artwork, links to their websites and Instagram and all that good stuff. You can listen right there on CedarBreak.com or you could subscribe in Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you your podcast. Although I do like Spotify as it previews uh, an image of the artist that's going to be featured. So a great place to follow and check it out. Of course, if you enjoyed today's episode or the podcast, it's always great to rate and review it. Leave us some positive comments there as it helps others find this podcast. And of course, you can also earn some karma points by sharing, spreading the word. Again, you can find us on social media, so it's very easy to share. So like our Facebook page. You can find us on Twitter at Studio Break. And of course, on Instagram at Studio underscore Break music for today's episode is by golden shadow which features myself ben cohan and brett beery you can check out our ep that came out last april entitled lawn dreams at goldenshadowband.bandcamp.com you can also follow us on our instagram account at golden shadow band if you'd like to see some of ben's paintings be sure to give him a follow at Cohan studio on instagram Brett Beery is a producer extraordinaire. You can find him on Instagram as well, at Brett Beery. And of course, you can find a link there to all of the albums and stuff that he's recorded on Bandcamp as well, so check that out. If you'd like to see some of my paintings, well, if you went to Studio Break, you likely know that my website is right there as well. You can check out some of the paintings that I do and some of the work that I've done. So again, take a deep dive in there. And of course, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at David Linoway. Always great here. Hearing from folks and of course if you like today's episode shoot us a, a comment on instagram once again that's at studio underscore break all right we just wrapped another episode of studio break hope that you enjoyed having bill's thoughts fill your studio once again hope your studio is really productive that you're staying healthy out there and of course thanks for listening always really appreciate it we'll talk to you real soon